disconnected Christians do not do well. Let me say it again. Disconnected Christians do not do well. Do you agree with that? Yeah. That was a quote that was from a book that Chris had the staff read uh, a couple months back, ironically titled The Post-Quarantine Church. Ironically, because we're still in quarantine. So how can it be a post-quarantine church? But we were also in awe of the fact that someone could write a book that quickly about being in the post-quarantine church. And uh, Tom Rayner is a guy that does a lot of stats for churches. He's the CEO of Church Answers. And as we started to read this book, it, was, it opened our eyes to a lot. But one of the things that we all knew already, but was just reminded of, was disconnected Christians don't do well. Because one of the big desires of church is community, right? I mean, that's why we're gathered here. That's why we're scattered, gathered online. We desire community, interaction. After all, the word church itself is actually derived from the Greek word ekklesia, which a lot of you have heard. It means an assembly, a congregation, a church, the church, the whole body of Christian believers, the community of Christ. So the idea of the church is centered in community. Our own vision statement at FBC starts with to be a community who actively engages God and others, whether gathered or scattered. And never have we felt that idea of being gathered or scattered more than we did through 2020 and even now into 2021. Even now, we are literally gathered, but scattered. Because we have this amount gathered here, and we have those scattered in our homes. But we're still a community. We never thought our vision would come to fruition in such a unique way. But it has. So the reality of what Tom Rainer said still rings true. Disconnected Christians don't do well. You know, I recently had a conversation with my counselor, and he said something startling to me about a study he had read that morning. He said, to sum it up, that... The same impact isolation has on our physical health is equivalent to smoking 20 cigarettes a day. And when he said that, I was like, are you kidding me? And he said, yeah, what they're finding is that people who it's more in extreme isolation, they find that it's equivalent physically to 20 cigarettes a day. That's crazy to me. Now, Mark and Lori, do you think it's a good idea to smoke 20 cigarettes a day for your health? Probably not, right? No, no. And that's the thing is, we don't realize the impact that this isolation has had on us as a community, as believers. Because isolation isn't how we were created, it impacts us. I mean, Genesis 2.18, it puts it bluntly, as spoken by the creator of all things. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I mean, that sums it up nicely. We are created for community. We're reading a book right now, it's a discipleship book called Rooted that the staff is doing, and, and they talk about it too, that... We share these attributes with God. We're made in God's image. And one of those attributes, as it says here, is another major attribute we share with God is personhood. God has will and intelligence and emotion, and so do we, because we're created in his image. The most central facet of personhood is the capacity and desire for relationship. God's personhood is made up of three co-equal, co-eternal, co-existing persons whom the Bible refers to as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, God has always existed as a community within himself. 
And out of the overflow of that loving and joyous community, God creates human beings in his image, made for relationship with himself and with others. So God himself is community. We're created in his image, so we are created inherently for community. And it finishes with, he is fully complete without us, yet desires relationship with us. So God desires community, relationship with us, And I think we lose some of that when we haven't been gathered as a community, as a church, because we have put our idea of community in that sense. And yet God created us to commune with him as well. So we face the question we haven't faced before. How do we have community when we're not able to commune? That's a question that is kind of weird to even ask, but it's something we've faced over the last year and a half. It's been a question that the staff has been wrestling with And we're still wrestling with how do we create community when we can't come together in community? Tom Rainer, again, he points it out, this conundrum. He says, to lead successfully in the post-quarantine church, you will have to lead without total clarity. You will have to lead with a lot of uncertainty. That's a very encouraging thought as a leader, right? You have to lead without having a clue of what's coming. So I'm going to be honest with you. We don't have the answer to how to have community in this situation that we're in. I mean, we've, we've tried things. We've done the outdoor services. We've done the Christmas Eve service. We've done virtual small groups. We've done all of these things to try and help with that, but it's still not the same. And we understand that, but we don't have a once and for all fix. It might sound like a negative statement to say we don't have that figured out, but it's also something exciting for us as a staff not knowing. Because the reality is, is that we've never been more dependent on the move of the Holy Spirit as we gauge what's next, what's coming week to week as we walk in faith. Uh, Chris just gave us the 2021 teaching calendar, and he had it laid out, and Chris likes spreadsheets, so it was really nice and formatted and everything. And he had Chris and Nick and I look at it. We were looking at it, and he was like, what do you think? And Nick and I were both like, we'll see. I mean, we have no clue what's coming. It's just like in 2020, we had everything planned out and then everything changed. And then one week we said, all right, well, we'll be back indoors in a couple weeks. But then everything changed. And then we were like, well, let's go outdoors for a while. But then everything changed. And it's one of those things that it's just week to week, we've been relying on God just saying, wherever you lead us, we're going to follow because we have no clue what to do during this time. So there is a lot of uncertainty. But the thing that we can walk in, we can walk in faith and be certain of, is something else that Tom Rainer says. Whatever else may come, prayer and God's word must be front and center priorities for the path ahead. Prayer and God's word. And so we're putting those things front and center as we begin this series better together. With a look at prayer next week and a look at the word this week. How can we be better together as a community? Well, we need to focus on the core of community, the core of the church, prayer and the word. So we might not have community the way we're used to, but we can rest assured that we do have community with God because he created us for that. We have community with God through his word and through prayer. That is how we commune. That is the relationship we have with God through his Holy Spirit. We just spent 68 weeks from 2019 to 2020 literally walking through every book of the Bible in the series thread. It showed us the thread of Jesus, the thread of redemption and hope and how it was laid out through scripture, throughout time, throughout us now. So what do we do with that as a church? We have read the word, we know the word, but what is next? As a community of believers, we are to apply the word, to live the word. 
So we're going to look at Acts chapter 2 this morning as we see kind of the same thing where a fellowship of believers was starting. There was these people who were called to follow Christ. In fact, in verse 41, it says those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So there is a community of people who are following Christ. But in all reality, this is a community much like our vision statement, that they were gathered and scattered. Because these people that gathered were also being persecuted left and right. They were being told what they were doing was wrong and that they shouldn't be doing it. So they were scattering and then gathering in these small groups. So we can look at this at the early church and and have a lot of correlations here. So continuing in verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and of prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So in this large gathering they met together. And it also says they broke bread in their homes. In these scattered gatherings they met together. And ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I mean when you read that it's like this ideal community. This ideal church community. You kind of feel like wow that's perfect. I wish we could be like that. I wish the church could be like that. But for those of you that journeyed through Thread and read Acts, you see that the ideal was good, the idea of it was good, but the follow-through, there was a lot of humanity that was injected there. They started to talk about doctrine, they started to talk about who we're supposed to follow, and they started to uh, break apart. But the truth of the intent of this fellowship is something we can learn from, something we can try to apply as a church. So let's start in verse 42 this morning where it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What do you notice right off the bat about this sentence? It says they were, you can talk. Yes, they were devoted. Now, what does devoted mean in this sense? Well, the word used here actually is defined as to persist, persevere in, continue steadfast in, I wait upon. So it was something they were, their foundation was in. They were pursuing it, but they were also steadfast in. They persistently pursued the word of God by the apostles' teaching. Now, what is the apostles' teaching? How do we follow that as believers today? Well, the commentary on this kind of defines it. It helps shape that. And I love the way this flows here. It says the apostles' teaching would have been particularly important in the early church because of their special relationship to Christ and his promise to them that the Holy Spirit will guide them into all truth and will tell them what is yet to come. So they knew Jesus. They heard his words. They were interacting with him. So they wanted to teach what he taught. With time, the church developed a comprehensive body of teaching so that Paul told the Ephesian elders that he had given them the whole will and purpose of God. At the end of his life, he urged Timothy, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Later, the church came to recognize that certain books with connections to the apostles best represented that good deposit. And the canon of the New Testament came into being. So the New Testament, along with the Old Testament, has become the basis of our teaching today. A key then for follow-through care today is to teach people the Bible. So when it says, be devoted to the apostles' teaching, for us today, that's be devoted to the Word of God. Because what the apostles taught 
was what Jesus taught, and now it's written down here for us. So the church then and the church now needs to be a word-centered community. If we want to be better together as a church, we need to be focused and centered on the word of God. You see, without the word, we follow our own ideals and man's pursuit of what is right and what is wrong, and that will always be imperfect and lacking because man is imperfect and lacking. But with the word, we can pursue the things of Christ and know how we are to live as it is clearly laid out for us in Scripture. But another interesting thing about this word of God is that there's community built into it. From the very beginning when God created Adam and Eve, there's community built in. It's not just a rule book, but rather a living, moving book that speaks to us because the word in itself is community. Because we read in John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's community there. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, ironically, with the lights going off, and the darkness has not overcome it. So think about that. There's community inherently in the Word, that guides us into light and away from darkness. And we stated earlier that God has always existed as a community within himself. Out of the overflow of that loving and joyous community, God creates human beings in his image, made for relationship with himself and for others. So if God himself is community, if the word is community, we're made in his image, we are to commune with the word of God. And without that, we lose the light and we remain in the darkness. In fact, in Hebrews 4.12, it says the word of God is alive and active. It's something that moves in and through us, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, there is community built into the word, but there's also something that challenges us in the word of God, much like community. For those of you that have been in small group situations or you've got a tight-knit community around you of friends, they challenge you, don't they? It's not just they see what you're doing and they don't agree with it and they're kind of like, eh, those aren't your great friends. The friends that are are those that surround you and say, hey, I want to challenge you on this. I want you to grow. I want you to be better. And I think that for those of us that have engaged in the word, we've had those moments. So to be a word-centered community is to be a community that actively engages God and others, whether gathered or scattered. We're not called to just get into the words of God a half hour on Sunday mornings like we are right now. We're not called to get in the word because a pastor says you're called to get into the word. You're called to because we're made in his image and he is the word and we are to commune with him. How many of you have ever experienced one of those moments when you're reading the word of God and it penetrates your heart and reveals to you a truth that you know you needed to hear? Go ahead and raise your hand. Where it just, it speaks to you. Yeah. It's an amazing thing when you can turn to a passage and just read that and be like, wow. God is really just moving in my heart and speaking to me. Because the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to speak to us and to show us the way we are to live. That's why we are to be a word-centered community. Which is why the psalmist reminds us in Psalm 119, 105 that your word is a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. The word can guide us and direct us so we can't just view the Bible as another book on the shelf that we pull out and dust off when we need it. It's something that we need every day, that we desire, that we devote ourselves to. 
Think about the last year and a half if you've been with us as we've journeyed through Thread. We've grown in our small group communities as we've studied the Word. We've grown in our church communities as we've studied the Word. A lot of people said, I've never gone through the Word before like this, and I feel closer to God because you've grown in who God is. There's community in that. Colossians 3.15-16 through 16 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let that be who you are. But then it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Be devoted to it as you teach and admonish one another. Which I talked about earlier. When you're in a community, sometimes it hurts because that community challenges you. So does the word of God. And we are called to dwell in the word of God and to use it to challenge one another. So when we see each other failing, we go to the word of God. We don't just say, you're doing something wrong because I think you're doing something wrong. We base it in the word of God. So where is the challenge in all of this? This is pretty basic stuff, right? It's like going to Sunday school. Read the Bible. It's what you're supposed to do. It's pretty easy. But the thing is, is if we're called to be a community who's devoted to seeking out the word of God, the challenge is, are we? Are we seeking out the word of God? Or are we just comfortable with attending service here on Sunday or attending online Are we devoted? Beyond that, are we challenging one another to be devoted? I'm not just saying today, I'm saying daily. Is this something that's on our hearts to be devoted to the word of God? The world, including us, is in desperate need of the truth of God right now, and they're not going to find it anywhere else. I mean, looking back at this past week, we are people who need to be reminded of who we are called to seek, who we are called to follow, it's not a man. It's not a government. It's the God of the word that we are called to follow and pursue. That is exactly why we are called to be a word-centered community. Because the word of God gives the hope of something better, a better life, a better world, a better God than we can ever offer. And we like to dangle these idols, these gods out there and say, you should follow this but it's never going to lead us to the hope of salvation. It's never going to lead us to redemption. It's going to lead us somewhere else. So I've got some questions for you. Are we reading the one daily decision verses? That's a simple thing that we can be asking. See, a lot of you say, well, I have a Bible, but I don't really know how to approach reading the Bible. Well, FBC has been doing this for a couple years now. We're on our website, on our app, on our Facebook page. Even today, it'll be posted, are the daily readings for the week. So we give you, here's some readings to check out this week that ties into the sermon we talked about. Are you utilizing that? Are you utilizing things like the YouVersion app? There are a lot of different opportunities out there to get into the Word. Are we in the Word? Is it just another book on the shelf, or are we using it? Are we meeting in person or online and encouraging one another to do the same? I know a lot of you are desiring community, and right now we can't really commune in the way that we did. So are you calling people on the phone. Did you know that your phone actually works as like a calling device too? This was crazy, I know. And then are you writing letters? Maybe you could do that. We received so many letters at Christmas and our kids thought it was the coolest thing. They were like, what is this? You know, that kind of thing. Are we creating the opportunity to challenge one another? Are we a community who actively engages God and others, whether gathered or scattered? Now, I'm not going to lie to you and, and stand up here and Say, are you doing all these things and not challenge myself? That's why it's written as are we. 
because I can do better. I need to do better. I need to pursue the truth of God and the word of God better. It's so easy to get caught up in everything that's going on right now and have your heart turn towards bitterness, have your heart turn towards this is my opinion, I want everybody to know it. But if your heart is not settled in this, first and foremost, your heart is in darkness. You need the light of God to show you the way everlasting. Are we pursuing this? How can we continue to allow the word of God to penetrate deep inside our hearts and to move us to change so we, we may be members of one body who are called to peace? That is something that people need right now is peace. And they're looking all around for a body, for a community that they can find peace in. So how can we utilize the word of God and apply it to our hearts and be better together to show people that they can have peace in this world? God knows if we could just follow his word, we would be a people of peace and there would be a result much like in Acts where people would come to the church, would come to his name, would come to know him, believe and be devoted. This church, FBC, has always taught based on the word of God. My dad, who started this church 30, how old am I? 36 years ago, uh, has always focused on the word of God has always said, this is the way we're going to lead. I'm not going to lead from opinion. I'm not going to teach from what I think is right. I'm going to teach the word of God. And he has planted that into our lead pastor, Chris, into me. It's not something that we want to stand up here and be like, I think you should do this. Because that's not what we're called to do. We're called to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God, not to ours. So pastor has taught us to live this out in 2 Timothy 2.15. To do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. We want to correctly handle the word of truth and give it to you in, in such a way that it's God telling you this and not us. We don't want that to be the case. Which is why it's difficult sometimes when we have to say things from the, the, the stage is like, hey, we're seeing things in our congregation and we want you to be aware of it. We spent a lot of the summer talking about how Paul said that we are not to put our hope in man. We are not to be pulled away to human leaders, but to put our trust in God. Because we see so much division in our country based on those things. And we're called to follow God. And we see leaders fall from grace again and again in the church. We've seen it all over the media even recently who start to manipulate the scriptures and start to say, I have power, I have status, and I want it to be this way. And so they start to go into this darker realm instead of the light of the word of God. They start teaching their own ideas. And when we move away from the word, we lose the light. First Peter 1 Peter 1.24 through 25 puts it this way. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. So they look pretty, and you're drawn to that. And as people, we look at that and we say, we want to follow that. But eventually, it's going to wither. It's going to fall. It's not going to stand up. But 25 says, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So if we want something that's everlasting and something that we can be better together and focus on, it's the word of God. We are to be a word-centered community. The word of God gives the hope of something better, a better life, a better world, a better God than anything we can ever offer. Let's pray. God, we just ask that you would move in our hearts as we leave this place this morning. 
that you would remind us that you are the King of Kings, that you reign above us, and that you've given us your word, that you love us enough to have relationship, to have community with us. And God, in this unique time, as we are scattered, as we are gathered, as we are pulled in different directions, we ask that you'd help us to be a community united under you, that we would be better together because you are at our head. Help us to be devoted to your word. When we have a question, when we have a concern, that we turn to your word and follow you. God, challenge us. Move on our hearts. We love you and praise you. Amen. Amen.